Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are discussing the first part of Ordinary Time. So let's get started. Thank you, Lindsay. Again, always a pleasure to be able to be part of that. And when we think of what we've been talking about the last few weeks, uh, we really have centered on uh, Christmas, Advent, I should say, first Christmas. Uh, and then the, the, the sacred feasts that's, that surround all of that, uh, and that how Christmas really is this tremendous, tremendous season uh, that, as I have mentioned before, is second only to Easter in that it has its own octave. There are feasts within the whole time frame. There are feasts that speak of it, you know, during the rest of the year. As uh, we mentioned last time, that, uh, you know, February and March, there are feasts there that, that point back to Christmas. And as indicated uh, just briefly last time was that it is the baptism of the Lord that really ends that um, that that season of Christmas, and and brings that and and what's so important to to remember when we we look at the liturgical year in the big picture is that you have these uh, these major major seasons Advent Christmas Christmas season and then Lent and Easter Easter season these major major seasons that pull out a particular truth or truths that the church wants to emphasize. They, they pull it out to celebrate it in significant ray, ways, in, in ways that speak of rituals, in ways that, that speak of the depth of, of what it means, uh, in ways that, that show us, you might say, how we are to embrace and not only embrace what Jesus has taught us and what we celebrate, but somehow to live that each and every day. And so then we come to this, you know, two other, uh, I should say, well, first of all, in, in the bigger picture, this huge chunk of time called ordinary time. Now, oftentimes it's, it's looked upon as uh, this you know, not so important time. You know, <laughs> we go back to green, it's ho hum. And in ordinary, it's ordinary. Yeah, it's ordinary. And, and that's not the, what the term means. Ordinary time is really ordinal time, which is counting time. Time that how we live this, this message, how we live these feasts, how we live these important moments uh, each and every single day of our lives. And when it comes to ordinary time, um, it, it usually will have, in, in the whole picture, it will have 33 or 34 weeks, depending upon, you know, basically where, where Christmas falls. And you always, there's a, there's a primacy about that 34th Sunday uh, because of the readings that it has and how it speaks of the end time and all of that. You always keep that, uh, that, that 34th Sunday. If you omit a Sunday, it's usually the sixth Sunday when when Christmas falls on a Sunday. And so you, you <laughs> That's omit so that. So specific. One. Yes, you omit <laughs> the that. The sixth one. Sunday. Yeah. And so you you know, when you omit that one, you start with the seventh week of ordinary time rather than the sixth. But I I, 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 I race ahead a little bit here. So ordinary time is about counting time, not unimportant time or <laughs> ordinary time. You have, it's, it's broken into 
uh, two basic parts. You have the shorter part, which is uh, the Sundays, uh, the Sundays really after the Epiphany. Now, though the baptism of the Lord is on a Sunday, it's really kind of technically considered to be the first Sunday of ordinary time. So, but it's always center on the uh, the baptism of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That Monday, then, you celebrate the Monday of the first week of ordinary time, and so the the this you know the where you skip that goes to then uh, where depending upon where Easter and all of those dates fall also. So depending on the calendar, it it makes a difference. Then you have the time after Pentecost. The time after Pentecost usually consists of 28 Sundays. But here again, similar to what we do when it comes to uh, the baptism of the Lord, you have the uh, Sunday, the Feast of Corpus Christi, Mm -hmm. and the Feast of... Body? No, no, that is Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi. Uh, um, It's right there. Why can't I think of it? Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity, yes. Those two Sundays, those feasts, I should say, take place of those Sundays in ordinary time. I can't believe that I've forgotten those. Um, They're (laughs) right there on the tip of my tongue. When you look at at the ordinary time, this first section, it it really, again, it's, it's taking what we have just, what we have just celebrated during Christmas and the Christmas season. And it starts to place it in, into the, the, the routine. It starts to place it within the, the, the day-to-day of our lives. In ordinary time, you, what, you, what you could say is that you have the mystery of Christ in its entirety or in all its fullness is cel- celebrated during these Sundays. Um, there are no, you might say, as they would call them, secondary traits in these <laughs> Sundays. So it's the fullness of what we believe. That's why, you know, you oftentimes, or one will oftentimes refer each of these Sundays as a mini Easter. It's celebrating the fullness, not just one aspect, but the fullness of it all. And so it, it embodies what we consider to be what we would call the Lord's Day, that that it is a day when it is truly dedicated to the Lord. Uh, you know, we we can lose some of that, and then part of it is cultural. But even to this very day, there is an emphasis on, you know, celebrating Sunday as the Lord's Day. Uh, and if you can't do that on a Sunday, sometimes because of work or circumstances, to find another time when you can, that it shouldn't be, it ought not be a day where you just go about business as usual. That you use it as a day to simply catch up on, you know, Sunday what you weren't able to do, so it becomes just another work day. When the whole emphasis, particularly for people of faith, the whole emphasis has been is to somehow see this as a day to rest in the Lord, as a day to to celebrate, you know, the um, to celebrate God's goodness, to celebrate hearing the Word of God in a significant way, to celebrate receiving 
the Eucharist, the body of Christ, um, recognizing it as the presence of God in a very significant way, that this should somehow be the focus and, and to rest in that. There are times when, when I at times think that, you know, when they, they made Sunday, uh, not Sunday, but Saturday a substitute, I get why and I get the reasoning. <laughs> There's a part of me that says that was a mistake because we lost, I think we lost something. I really do. We lost a significance where we ended up, you know, at many times, and you hear people still saying this today. Well, I go on Saturday night to get it, to get it over with. And those are the terms they use, to get it over with. And, and you want to just kind of scream a little bit and say, to get it over with, how do you get over with the presence of God? How do you get over with, you know, resting in, in God's goodness? How do you get over with, you know, somehow spending special time with family? Um, we lost something. I, I just think sometimes we lost something. Um, now, I know that, you know, part of it was because of people and people's work schedules. And there were all sorts of reasons uh, that, that were there. I still think we lost something. So, but anyway, the, the whole idea being is that it's to embody the entire Lord's Day. Um, and, and that's, again, as I mentioned, that's why we call it, you know, that sense of, of a mini Easter. The, um, the baptism of the Lord, as I mentioned also, was, counts as the first Sunday. Uh, but then that, then the time, ordinary time, goes through the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. Um, and so that, that time then, you know, is, is set aside where they start the numbering, the counting mm -hmm. um, of, of, the, uh, of the weeks for ordinary time. Is there, are there set readings? I mean, I know we have a cycle of three for the weekends. Correct. But do you hear generally the same story told each, like every second Sunday of ordinary time is this story every? A lot of times it is, not always. It brings to an interesting point, Lindsay, the idea that the lectionary is set up, and I want to talk a little bit more about that in the future, but the way the lectionary is set up is to, is to be a continuous reading of the Bible. Uh, virtually, I would say, and I believe it's, it's correct, that as Catholics, we read more of the Bible through the, the liturgical cycles than any other, you know, religious tradition out there because of the cycles. Now, prior to the changes of the Second Council, uh, every second Sunday of the, of the ordinary time was always the same reading from the same gospel. And so you literally would have sometimes uh, preachers just have a, a record of, of every homily they've ever given because it was always the same homily. And whereas now, you know, though there is this, this somewhat continuous reading of, of the scriptures, is that with the three cycles, sometimes those readings will be switched uh, up because of, of, a, of a holy day that might get in there or somehow so that you may not get that, that same continuity. For the most part, it will be along the same lines. With Mark, for example, because it's a shorter gospel, 
and it doesn't even have some of the parts that others do uh, because Mark was is seen you know as to be a resource for the uh, Matthew and Luke the synoptic gospels and then you have what they call the Q source the unknown source mm-hmm. is that they will fill in with different uh, gospel writers uh, so you have plump it up a little uh, for Mark yeah exactly <laughs> You know, so you'll have, but you and usually you'll have a, a similar theme, so that you might have the uh, on the feast of the Holy Family, you might have you know a little bit different version of it, or in the, uh, for example, the Transfiguration or those kinds of different days, you will probably have a little bit of a different version of it, but a lot of times it's kind of the same themes, and then depending, we'll have you know fill-ins depending mm-hmm. on where. Matthew is year A, year a uh, Mark B, and uh, again, supplemented by other Gospels, and then uh, year C is Luke. John primarily, the Gospel of John is used primarily during the uh, Lent and Easter season. Uh, and in, Christmas. And, well, there, Christmas. There, you could choose John, right? That is that is true. You don't necessarily uh, hear it, but you could choose it. it that is true for Christmas Day yeah. during the day. But the greater significance of John is during the Easter season. Mm-hmm. That's when we, we really hear uh, from the, the Gospel of John. So we really cover, and then during the week, we have years one and year two, mm-hmm. where we really do hear from uh, all of the Old Testament writers, the New Testament writers. Uh, we, we cover we cover pretty much all of the Bible uh, when when it's you. It's only if you go look. every day, though. Well, that's true. <laughs> or read the readings. Or read every the day. readings every day, uh, but the, the fact that the cycles do cover, you yeah. know, the the readings, and a person gets a a real uh, breath of what the gospels are telling us and how they tell us, you know, what what it means, how it what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, and so. It's, it's in this ordinary time where we begin to see this more and more, and we are not just focused on one aspect, but really, you know, focused on, on, on the life of Jesus from, you know, the birth through his, his suffering and death and resurrection, uh, what happened afterwards, for example, when you have uh, Luke and Acts written by the same author. So it just covers the breadth. Of, of what it means uh, to hear the sacred word. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's, um, <laughs> so there is a lot that that we hear, uh, and it's it is amazing. And one of the things that I find amazing as I celebrate Eucharist on a daily basis, of how often people have have said to me or I have experienced in my my own prayer life how often that daily scripture whether the gospel or the first reading almost miraculously focuses on what I'm dealing with that day it could be a hard time it could be a joy it could be an an issue that I'm struggling with it could be a you know a question that I have and inevitably the scriptures you know, speak to, to what I'm what I'm dealing with, but when you really look at that, it makes a lot of sense because 
in many ways, what what is you know the Bible, but the re- reflection in so many ways of a people's relationship with God on a daily basis and God's relationship with them on a daily basis. That really, it's it's a people wanting to write down and to make sure people don't forget the important things that that are necessary to live well. Uh, when I think about, you know, grandparents, the things that sometimes they'll tell their grandchildren, I think of the things that my mom and dad taught me, whether they spoke of it, they relived it or reflected on it, but how, you know, you learn so much from your mom and your dad, not even because they necessarily said something, but because of how they lived it and you saw it being lived. Same thing with the, with the scriptures. When you have an opportunity now to sit down because you're not worried about someone shoving a spear through your heart, you know, you can sit down. Always a good thing not all, to have to worry about. Always. Is that now you're able to, to write down those things that, that people want, want one to remember for future generations. The stories, the insights, the hopes, the dreams. Uh, by either the successes, more often through the mistakes that we make. And somehow we want all of that to be passed on. Well, the scriptures do that in so many ways of what it means to be faithful, to be unfaithful, to be proud, to be arrogant, to be greedy, to be generous, to, to know healing, to know sickness, to know peace, to know war. I, I mean, all of these things are part and parcel of the scriptures. And when a person really sits down and, and reads the scriptures, you know, on a daily basis, it is quite remarkable of, of what is able to be reflected on and how that is able to be uh, connected to, to one's daily life. Ordinary time brings that. You know, it doesn't just center us on one particular piece. It really centers on you know, that day-to-day living, the ins and the outs um, of, of what that means, you know, to live that well as we go about um, our, our, our routine. Um, going back to, uh, to a little bit of something that I had mentioned when it comes to the, uh, to the Sundays that we have, um, as I had spoke a little bit about that there's a uh, you omit one of the Sundays, and usually it's it's right after. I should say it's right after Pentecost. You know, not uh, I had mentioned Christmas before. It's actually right after Pentecost, because that's where uh, East, depending upon where Easter falls, sure. can make a difference. And you always want to make sure you get the thirty fourth Sunday in. That's 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 an important one, and and it has a lot to do because of of the uh, the eschatology, which is a fancy word about the end time. Uh, of what happens or uh, looking toward that end time when the Lord comes again, how it brings everything together. And as we were just speaking about, you know, the ordinary time, it really is an opportunity to reflect on our year. And hopefully people do that while we're in Advent, (laughs) you know, that hopefully during their Advent time, or maybe even during their Lent time. Again, both moments 
uh, both seasons are opportunities to reflect, is that you look back and, and you recognize, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's one of the values of, of writing a journal. When one is able to look bad, back, you begin to see uh, how there's, there are common, those common threads that walk through dealing with an addiction, dealing with weight, dealing with, you know, uh, with a parent, dealing with, with a boss, dealing with a job, dealing with, and, and you start to, to see the elements saying, you know, I need to stop doing that. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's recognizing that if you keep hitting your hand with a hammer, it's going to keep hurting. No matter, you know, when, it's still going to keep hurting. You got to stop hitting your hand with a hammer in order for it to stop hurting. And it's amazing how the scriptures, how ordinary time can really help us to look at that and, and help us to, to reflect on, on the call of God in our lives. It's, it's so easy at times to miss that. And, and there are moments when I wish when we, when we read some of the scriptures during ordinary time, of the call of the disciples, or uh, the uh, those moments when you know when it says that the disciples or people responded, whether it's to a healing or whatever it might be, how you look at it and saying how long I wonder at times did it take for the disciples to respond to the invitation of Jesus? Did it happen right after the first time, or did it happen after the? third or fourth time. The scriptures say, for example, when he calls, you know, Andrew and Peter and Andrew and such, that they dropped their nets and left their father. Um, was it that instantaneously? Or is the issue that when we respond, when we recognized who was calling and what the call is, that's when we respond and we respond to the hand of God in our lives. Whether, you know, it is the first time the Lord calls, or whether the seventh time. The point is the Lord never stops calling. That's <laughs> the point. The Lord never stops calling. And things begin to happen when we finally respond. It's, it's the parable, you know, that Jesus told of of the the guys who go out for the full day and work and the guys who go out for an hour and they all get paid the same it's not about you know how many hours you work it's about responding and i don't think that that that's you know that reading should be lost in a way but it's one of those moments or opportunities for people to say you know and finally recognize they aren't bad because they responded at the 11th or 12th hour simply because someone responded at the first. It's the fact that you responded. That's what's important. Those are the moments that ordinary time can bring to us. It, it's, it's as sacred as a time. It's just not nearly as focused as the Lent, Easter, Advent, and Christmas <laughs> seasons. Sure. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot to be discovered. In or it's not as focused, but there's... Yeah, like you said, there's a lot there. Oh, just... just tremendous amount, tremendous yeah. amount. And, you know, it's being able to, um, 
I always invite people to say, how can I get more other Mass? And I will say to them, read the gospel before you get there <laughs> and write down what you think it's about. And, and the reason I say that is, one, you need to take time to think about it. I had a, a former um, uh, professor of scripture who taught the, the gospel of John. His name was John Began. I always <laughs> appreciated him um, because one of the things that he said to us as we were students, he reflected on the fact, he said, when you prepare to give a homily, do not look at resources first. Think about what the Lord is saying to you. The Lord is still speaking to you. Think about that first. Write that down. Because the expert who's writ who, who has written a book is not necessarily what the people need to hear. Mm -hmm. and, and I never forgot that. And, and as I prepare my homilies, I, I do that. I always write down, what do I think about it first? What is the Spirit saying to me? So when people ask me, how do I get more out of the homily? I will say to them, read the gospel at least by Wednesday if possible. Write down, there are so many resources out there that have these gospels in them. Mm -hmm. Write down in the margins or wherever, or in your own Bible, write down what you think the Spirit is saying to you or how the gospel is speaking to us today. Take it to church. Compare it to what Father so-and-so is, is speaking about. And the reason I say that is that because what he is saying is not necessarily gospel truth. It's how the Spirit spoke to him and how he tries to break that in. It does not mean that he has nothing to say. Not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he doesn't have everything to say. Mm -hmm. Is that sometimes my homilies turn out well and sometimes not so well. People need to know that, that I don't have the last word. I have a word. I have an approach. I listen the best I can to the way the Spirit speaks. But the Spirit may have spoken more strongly to them in a different way. And they may walk away with saying, you know what? Have no clue what Father was talking about. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. But I do have a clue what the Spirit was saying to me. The Spirit is always, always speaking. And it's not always through somebody else. And I, I, I believe that if we have trust and confidence in that, you know, and, and I would also say it's not that anything goes. That's not what I'm saying at all. Is that, you know, God forbid that somebody all of a sudden thinks the Spirit is going out to destroy people or whatever. That's not of the Spirit. That's of the evil one. <clears throat> but the Spirit does speak in, in particular ways when it comes to family, health, well-being, work. Let the Spirit speak. And, and if more people trusted that, I really believe that during this ordinary time, they would, they would come up with all sorts of discoveries of how their life could be better, more peaceful, maybe even have a lot more challenges, but because they were listening to how the Spirit spoke to them during this sacred, ordinary time. Ordinal time where we count the days, and we count the days to the time we approach when the Lord will come again, and to live as best we can mm -hmm. every single day. 
That's interesting. That's a, that's how I pick music for the weekends is I'll read it first. Uh, yes. And yes. then go, okay, what song like is popping out to me or this, that. And then if I'm stuck on some open spaces, I'll be like, okay, what does this person say or what did we do, you know, three years ago or whatever. But I always read it first and then try and figure out what. And I think that's in. terribly important because another thing that, that you'll find in the literature and such is that always start with the gospel. Hmm. Always start with the gospel. In the, in the liturgy, the gospel and the first reading are usually connected. Theme, what, you know, those kinds of things, uh, issues dealing with, usually the, the first reading and the gospel on a Sunday are connected. Sometimes the, the second reading is. Now, I should say, first of all, with the first in the gospel, reading in the gospel, it's not absolute. <laughs> Sometimes there seems to be a disconnect, but usually there is a connection between those two. The, the middle reading, usually from the letters of Paul, that kind of literature, Sometimes it is uh, it is connected to the other two, not always. Sometimes it's just a continuous reading mm -hmm. of a particular book or theme, uh, but not necessarily connected. So there are times when a, a preacher may center on the, uh, the that middle reading, and a person going to mass saying, "What in the good Lord's name?" <laughs> because it has no real connection to necessarily to the first and the third, but he may center on that, that second reading. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, though, they'll center on the first and the third, the gospel, and then they'll maybe pick out an element from the second that, that re, uh, works with. But you always start with the gospel first. That, that is primary because the, the liturgy and, and the liturgical year are built around that. The gospel is always primary, always primary. I usually start with the psalm because that's the easiest to pick. <laughs> we either know one of that number or we don't. So yeah. <laughs> that's where usually where I am. Yeah. But yes, gospel's good too. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's important. But there is so much, and and we'll be able to when we we touch the second part, you know, of the ordinary time. Um, there's just so much more when it comes to the readings, and it comes to how it's put together, mm -hmm. because it is the majority of the time starting somewhere from the, the sixth or the seventh Sunday, again, dropping one, depending upon where it is, all the way through the 34th. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's the, the major chunk of the, um, of, of the year. Well, this year we end on the sixth Sunday right before Ash Wednesday. Okay. So, which is February 17th, everybody, <laughs> in yes. case you didn't that is, know. That is very true. Um, and I thought it said it picks up, oh, internet's not great. thought it said it picked up on the eighth Sunday, so that, I wonder if it drops yeah. the seventh this year. Yes, it would drop the then it would drop the seventh. This well, week. actually, not the eighth Sunday, but the eighth week. A eighth week, yes. Okay. After, yeah, yeah. Of course. So it's we not. we drop a Sunday We'd, because of where it lands. Yeah. yeah. All right. But. Anyway, well, I'm sure at some point we'll pick up ordinary time. Yes, we maybe, will. Maybe maybe after Easter when it's you know back to ordinary time again. Um, but we hope you enjoyed that, can think about what we talked about, and we will see you next time. Great. Just a quick note before we go, we'll be taking a few weeks off, but we will be back soon with new episodes of Faith Facts with Father Howard. See you then.